Our scripture reading today is going to be in Romans chapter 15. Uh, If you need a Bible to follow along, you'll find it in the seat back pocket in front of you. I'd encourage you to follow along on the screen today as I'm going to be reading from the NASB and not the ESV. Romans chapter 15. Now, Paul's concluding his message. We who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength, not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Listen to the example. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Key word. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he sums up this context. Accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Lord, we are grateful for your word and so thankful that we can meet in this country and worship you, read your word freely, and trust you. We pray in the name of Jesus that you truly would fill this place. It's in your name we all said, amen. Would you please have your seat? And as you are sitting, would you take a look at the big screen? Excited to let you know we are partnering with Calvary Chapel South Bay. If you remember last year, we partnered with Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. This year with Pastor Jeff and Connie Gill, along with several from here, we are having a trip to Israel. Now, if you've not been to Israel, this has a Jordan extension and it's going to be just uh, right in that great price range of about $4,500 per person to be able to go for August 30th through September 10th. So it's about 11 
Sundays to enjoy the Holy Land. Now, we're looking forward to this trip, excited about it, and would encourage you to check it out. Um, and if you've got any questions, you can check at our Connect booth. Now, we are limited in space because we're partnering with another church. So if you would like to go, you probably need to let us know, put your deposit down very quickly. We have about 10 seats left, okay? So just to let you know where we're at in regard to this particular trip. We are continuing our series, Grace and Truth. The three areas of scripture that I would like for you to turn to is Romans chapter 15, Romans 15, Acts Four and 2 Corinthians 3. Once again, let me tell you what they are. Romans 15, Acts chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're taking note, title of today's message, accept one another the way Christ accepted us. Once again, accept one another the way Christ accepted us. That's what he exhorts us in. Now, I read from the NASB, it's how he concludes this portion of his letter. Accept one another as Christ accepted us. Now, he's taken quite a long time to get to this point. In fact, we call it the Romans Road because all through the letter to the Roman church, he's communicating the great grace of God toward man. Maybe you'll want to write some of these scriptures down. Romans 3.23, for the weight Excuse me, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a truth that Paul's trying to get across. Every single one of us cannot make it to heaven. There's the first step of the Romans road. None of us can make it to heaven. We're separated from God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is but here's the good news, always bad news and good news when it comes to the gospel. That's why we call it the gospel. But the good gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So first he says, no way to get to heaven because we're separated because of our sin. We can never get to God. But because of the grace of Jesus, we can. So graceful, Romans 5, 8, he says this. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's the grace of God. We weren't good. We didn't, weren't doing anything good. We were doing nothing to get to heaven. It's all the great grace of God. And then the beautiful picture of grace, he wraps it all up in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. He says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, it seems so easy. That's the point. That's the picture of grace. Jesus did all of the hard work so that we would not have to. It's good news. It's the gospel of grace, the good news that all people, everyone can have a relationship with God. I'm convinced that's why he started the first chapter in the 17th verse was this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you a story, Roman church, and I'm not ashamed to tell you because this is the gospel and this is how people get saved. If you remember two weeks ago, we discussed in John chapter 1. And we discussed about the fullness of grace that we have received. That's how John communicated to the church. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the fullness of grace. I'm not ashamed of the grace of God. 
If you remember, Paul's so in awe of the amazing grace of God as he wrote his letter to Timothy talking about the fact that he was the sinner of sinners. He busts out into song just thinking about the amazing grace and he says to the king of ages, be honored and glory forever and ever, amen. He sings praises to God, the murderer who got saved on the road to Damascus. He's the epitome, he's the example of the grace of God. Gang, if Paul can get saved, everyone can receive the grace of God. That's why John told us in John chapter one, of his fullness, we've all received. Paul, he chose never to forget it. He chose to let it be in his heart from the point that he got saved, even writing the Roman church now 30, 40, 50 years later, he's still communicating this incredible, amazing grace of God because it appears, it appears the Roman church had forgotten. So he tells them, Hey, church, I know you've been with Christ for a few years now, and I know you've been sanctified a little bit, but I, I got to remind you of something. Accept one another as Christ also accepted us. Accept one another as Christ accepted us. Paul, why are you telling this story? Well, remember, Paul's building his case throughout this letter. And what he says, oh, Romans chapter 5, he says, I need you to remember something, Roman church. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Do you remember when you were weak? Do you remember when you were ungodly? Hey, Roman church, I need you to remember something. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Though it was a couple decades ago, do you remember when you were sinners and you were doing all the things of the world? Hey, Roman church, I want to remind you. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Do you remember when you were an enemy with God? And I need to remind you, church, Roman church, there was a time when you were weak. There was a time when you were ungodly. There was a time when you were a sinner. There was a time when you were an enemy. And now he's spurring them to behave like Christ behaved towards them. Look at uh, Romans chapter 15, now verse 3. For Christ did not please himself. But as it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. What he's communicating is, hey gang, do you remember something? Jesus accepted you when you were hurling insults at God. And you deserve to be punished for being bad little boys and bad little girls. But what Jesus did was he took the punishment upon himself. That's the way that he received you. That's the kindness of God. Gang, listen. Paul tried to tell Timothy, uh, Titus of this very same kindness. Titus chapter 3, it's the kindness of God that won us over. Not his judgment, not his wrath, not his indignation. And Paul never forgot that. But the Roman church, something was happening in the Roman church. I know you've known God for quite a long time. And something was beginning to get very pious in them. They began to think to themselves like they were a little bit more, well, they were a little bit higher in their own thought than they should have been. And I'm convinced it's why Paul in Romans chapter 12 said to the church, for by grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think 
but to think of himself with sober judgment. Because the Roman church had some issues. They had some internal issues. You see, the Jews, they were looking at those Gentile dogs, and they were saying to them, oh, I want you to know something. The law came through us. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus is our distant relative. Like, you are not, okay? That's some major internal issues. And the Gentiles... Oh, they were looking at the Jews and said, you guys failed. That's why he has grace on us, because you guys were miserable failures. And they were arguing amongst themselves with these eternal, internal issues. And Paul says, wait a second. Have you forgotten how Christ accepted you? How are you treating each other? But they also had some external issues. Go over with me a few pages. I'm going to show it to you. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Go there with me. Just a couple of pages to the left. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Go back into your iPhone. Find Romans. Find chapter 2. Click it. You'll be right there in a heartbeat. I want you to see the external issues. Look with me at verse 1. Therefore. Now we're going to understand why that there is for is therefore. But stick with me. Therefore. You have no excuse, O man. Every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. In other words, sin is sin. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing, look at this key verse, that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Let me tell you what's happened to the church. They've been decades in Christ. Oh, 30, 40 years in Christ. Gotten a little pious. They've been saved. And now they're looking at the very world that they were saved from, and they're judging them. They're judging their wicked and evil behavior. And it was wicked. Remember I told you we're going to get back to why the therefore is therefore? Chapter 1, oh, it's rough. Chapter 1, Paul lists out the Roman world's wicked behavior. First thing he says is they worship idols. They dishonored God. They're worshiping idols, materialism, and all kinds of things. They love their things, man. They worship these little teeny Buddhas. That's what they do. <laughs> they just, I can't believe that they would do that. Not only that, he then goes on to say sexual immorality like we've never seen in the United States of America. In fact, it was so bad that the Bible says God gave them over to, to, to these weird things, dishonorable passions. They were so bad. He actually lists a few of their sins. Would you look with me just a couple of verses up? It's Romans chapter 1, verse 29. Look, with, look, look at this Roman culture. They're filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Can you believe it? Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. It's like I'm reading this list and you're like, oh, stop. They were wicked. They were corrupt. Their character was horrible. And the Roman church is looking at the Roman culture 
And they're looking at the Roman lifestyle with disgust and disdain. And they transferred that culture onto people. And they're looking at people with disgust and disdain. It's almost as if they're saying, look at those filthy sinners. And you know what Paul's doing in chapter 2? He's flipping the tables a little bit and he says this. Look at yourself. Sin is sin. Christ died for all. Gang, I need to let you know something. The church is not sinless. Hang out with human beings in the church for about 10 minutes. You'll figure it out. The church is not sinless. Our hope is that we sin less. That's our hope. That as we're being sanctified by the word, though we're not sinless, our hope is that we sin less. That we sin less. It's why John said, of his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. Now here, let me explain what John is saying. We receive grace at salvation. We've all received it. All of us were sinners. All of us were separated from God. And he says, grace upon grace. You see, I'm going to prove this point. How many of you sinned this past week? Raise your hand. No, come on. I'm going to ask again. Some of you, some of you are lying, and that means you sinned. Okay, here we go one more time. How many of you sinned this past week? Go ahead and raise your hand. Like God's watching, okay? Not me. Don't think it's my eyes. This is Jesus looking at you. Do I need to ask again? My point how many of you are in, are in need of grace for what you did last week? There's the point. Grace upon grace. Just because we were saved by grace doesn't mean we don't need more of his grace. We need his grace in our spiritual walk. Let me give you an example. I'll never forget this, okay? I was uh, living in the Bahamas, and we had a ministry there, and we received mission teams. Well, at the end of the week, I wanted to give them a break, and we would go to Atlantis. And Atlantis was like the big hotel on Paradise Island. Now, I'm so old, I remember when Merv Griffin owned Paradise Island. But it's now owned by Sol Kersner. It's this huge, incredible thing. It's a casino. Now, keep that in mind. So at the end of the week, I would take them to Atlantis to give them like a little Bahamian flair, and we would go look at the aquariums that were in Atlantis. But we'd have to walk through the casino. So as we're walking through the casino, we get to the aquariums, and this woman looks at me and she goes, what kind of pastor are you? I can't believe you would take us, defile us. And you you're almost like hear it. It's like, defile us and take us through the casino. You wretch of a human. I mean, she was going on, okay? I'm not exaggerating. She was going on and on and on and on. So I listened. And then I said to her, you know, I used to think like you. One day I was walking through the casinos and I saw this old bitty, God bless her, I mean, she's doing this deal. She's got a drink. And I'm watching this old bitty put coin after coin after coin after I mean, she is like tan leather skin stretched to here. I mean, it's one of those deals. And I just looked at her and I'm like, what a shame. And I walked by and God said, boom, boom, boom on my heart. And he said, this is what you look like to me when you get greedy. And I said this to the woman. And she looked at me and she goes, well, I never, 
And I said to her, never received grace or never gave grace. It's something for you to work on. Amen? Amen. Now, some of you don't want to hang out with me anymore after you hear that story. <laughs> but I think we do it in our own culture. This morning, Fox News. Spiritual, righteous Fox News. Okay, not like CNN, okay? I read Fox News. I'm kidding. <laughs> Pulled up my app, and there on Fox News, listen to the title, Into the Sin Bin. That was this morning. <laughs> Into the sin bin. Who read the articles? Anyone? Into the sin bin. Listen to it. Green Day's Billy Joe Armstrong drops multiple bombs during NHL All-Star gig. I can't believe Fox News would report that. It was devastating to my heart. I mean, I can't believe some guy would say those kinds of things on national television. What disgust. What disdain. Who is this guy? How many of us do the same thing? We look at the world when they're doing what they're supposed to do. They sin. That's what they do. And we say things like, I can't believe they would do that. All the while accepting the little sins that we struggle with as acceptable. Now, gang, I know. I know there's degrees of sin, and I know there's degrees of consequences. Even Jesus looked at Pilate, and he said this, the ones who handed me over to you are guilty of a greater sin, okay? I know there's degrees of sin, and I know there's degrees of consequence, but this is Paul's point. It's why Jesus died. Because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even the church still sins and needs grace upon grace. This is what he's pointing out. Look with me. Romans chapter 15. Go back there with me. Romans chapter 15 verse 3. He said, for Christ didn't please himself. But as it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. There's the grace of Jesus. Jesus showed us the grace of God by taking our punishment when we were the one hurling insults of God and we were the ones that were supposed to get in trouble. He says, I'll pay the price. I'll take the punishment. And I know they're the ones insulting you, but I want you to deal with me. I don't want you to deal with them. Oh, the great grace of God. And look what else Paul says in Romans 15, 4. He says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Now listen to this carefully. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I need you to hear that. Paul doesn't use the Bible to beat people over the head as the moral police. He doesn't use the Bible. I'm right, you're wrong, it's us and them. Moral police, here's my badge. You're a sinner, you are a, here's my badge. You're a sinner, man. You are a sinner, you're ungodly, you're wicked, you're evil. And I can't believe that would make the headline. Who are these people? That's not how Paul used the Bible because that's not how Jesus used the Bible. The Bible says he endured patiently with people and he used the scriptures to give people hope. He used it to give people hope. That's so key. Because this challenge is for us to do the same thing. 
This challenge is for us in the way that we've been accepted by God is to accept others. And because we've received this great grace of God, there is a great responsibility that comes with it. It's two things. We got to live it, this grace, and we have to give it. So what I want us to do, we're going to leave the Roman church. We're going to go to the first church. Go with me to Acts chapter 4, because they are a great example. And I know the Roman church and their piety, they forgot a little bit. But I want you to see the church in Acts. It's Acts chapter 4. You're going to see the way that great grace is in operation. Acts chapter 4, verse 33, the Bible says, And with great power, Acts 4, 33, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, underline this, and great grace was upon them all. Great grace. See, the first church, they understood the responsibility of the great grace they had received. They decided to receive it well. If they had two houses, sold one so that someone else could have a place to live. They figured to themselves with what has been given to us And the Bible says that they were selling this and selling this and selling this and doing this. Man, if those people in Iran, oh, they don't have a Bible? What what do I do? How do I do it? How do I get a Bible in their hands? Oh, that was the first church. They were willing to do anything because of the great grace of God. And I love the word that Luke uses. It's a word from the Holy Spirit. It's the Greek word great. It's, excuse me, it's the Greek word mega. 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 It's a great word. Ask, ask your kids. You go down the toy aisle, toy, toy aisle, they don't want Tron. They want Megatron. They don't want Aquaman. There's a Mega Aquaman. He is bigger, he is better, and his arms do this. He doesn't just stand there. Oh, no, he comes with a little trident and the whole deal. They want a Mega Aquaman. They don't want a city set. No, they want a Mega City set. Gang, can I tell you, it's why the California lottery is called Mega Millions. Because people take their hard-earned cash and very foolishly give it to someone hoping that they can make Mega Millions. This word is so perfectly used by the Holy Spirit. Because it's an attractive word. It attracts you to the church. The church had great grace. They had mega grace. They were giving it and they were living it. God knew the word to use. It's an attractive word. And let me tell you the fruit of mega grace as you're walking down the toy aisle and you take a look at that church who's got mega grace. Oh, the Bible says in Acts chapter five, listen carefully, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women. That's the first church. So I want you to write this down, gang. We've got to accept one another by living mega grace. We got to live it. We got to accept one another by living mega grace. Now, let me tell you what Paul exhorted the church. It's in uh, uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 2 Timothy, you can look it up later. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, be strong or be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So what I need you to do is a grace-o-meter right now. Grace-o-meter, stay with me if you would. I need you to have a grace-o-meter on you. 
Because what Jesus, what the Bible is saying is, Jesus is the example of grace. He's where, in our grace-o-meter, where we're trying to get to. He's over here, okay? So he's the example of grace, and we're directed, you better get strong in his kind of grace. Now let me tell you what the assumption is in the direction. The assumption in the direction is, we got some work to do. For him to give the direction, be strong in grace, means we have some work to do. We've got to get to the spiritual gym and exercise. We've got to learn the grace program from Jesus and the way that he lived his life. That when we were sinners, when we were ungodly, when we were enemies, he accepted us. We've got to learn that. And then we've got to evaluate where is our grace-o-meter in regard to the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. It may take a little bit of humility to realize, well, we thought we were grace-filled people. Are we really as grace-filled as we think we are? Now, the beauty about entering the spiritual gym, you're going to go in and you can take a spiritual before picture, okay? You're going to stand like this or however you're going to stand and take your spiritual before <laughs> picture, right? Three months from now, okay, grace-o-meter, you're in the spiritual gym learning God's grace. Oh, you're going to have an after picture. And I love the fact that if we choose to go to the gym and exercise this and be strong in grace, let me prove it to you. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to show you this in verse 18. How confident I am that there can be a spiritual before and a spiritual after picture of your grace-o-meter and how you can grow to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, Roman, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 18. And we all, that means there's hope for all of us, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. I mean, we're being transformed into Jesus from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. In other words, God is promising that if you go into the spiritual gym, you will have a before and an after picture. You can be more grace-filled than what you are right now. So confident was Paul of this. He writes the church a really hard note. Go with me over to chapter 8, verse 9. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he was so confident of the work of God in the believer's life. I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Let me tell you what Paul is saying. The church in Jerusalem doesn't have any money. They're in the middle of a famine. And he writes the church in Macedonia and he says, listen, you know the great grace of God. He became poor so you could become rich. In other words, what he's saying to them is respond to grace well. Recognize your grace-o-meter and that you're not as graceful as you think you are, but if you compare yourself to Christ, oh, you will make the same kind of sacrifices that Christ made for you. Now there's a problem. The problem goes back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 where he says one degree from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, the problem is that we're each at different degrees. You're at one degree of grace. 
and I'm at another degree of grace. Now, let me give you an example. I wonder if I challenge the church to do the same. Hey guys, we're translating a Bible in Iran. And we're going to take 10 years to go from Genesis to Revelation so that they can have the word of God. Who's willing to sell their house? Who's willing to give up their savings account? Who's willing to do for the Lord Jesus Christ? And some of you go, woohoo, bought a friend. I did not know you were going there today. No, no, no. Hold on for just a moment. That's not where I'm going. I did this. I did it about a year and a half ago. I did a message on tithing. I went to Costco Gas right here at Lisa Viejo. Okay? I saw a woman who used to go to our church, used to, key, used to go to our church, and I walked over not knowing she used to go, that she was a used to. Like, I thought she was still in attendance. So I walked up to her, hey, how are you? Ah, uh, it's you. Literally. And I was like, beep, beep, beep. I'm like, you know. I got to get out of the situation. I don't know what I've done. I'm like, whoa, you know? And she goes, I left your church. She comes out of her car. She begins to like point her finger and she's coming at me. So much so, the Costco gas attendant comes over as if I'm attacking this woman. I couldn't believe it. I'm like a pastor. You are watching, lady. Like, come on. What did I do so wrong? She goes, how dare you mess with our pocket? I was there when you taught that tithing message. God does not want my money. He wants my heart. So don't you dare put your hand in my pocket, your church. And she's going, oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I get in my car. She's at one degree of grace. I'm on another. I am frustrated. You know what I'm thinking? People saw this. Now they think I attacked this woman. Like the Costco gas attendant asked me to go to my car. Like I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I cannot believe this thing has happened to me. And it's why Paul says in Romans 15, hey guys, you're obligated to bear with one another. I know you're at different degrees. You've got some internal issues and you're obligated to give grace to one another. Don't get frustrated with people. Bear with them. So though I was a bad example of grace, I want to give you a good one. Listen to this from someone in our church. Two Coast Hills. They sent this random, had no idea I was going to read this. Okay? I'd like to start with a short introduction. I'm just a regular guy here at Coast Hills Church, but my father has arranged things so that I get to be one of the first people on Sundays to welcome people in. I don't often brag, but my dad's great that way with all of his children. He knows the exact way each and every one of his kids talented and how they can help the family out. Now, he's a parking attendant. You might think it looks pretty sweet deal standing around working on my tan, grinning and waving to everyone as they come and go. I have to tell you, though, this is no ordinary game as of monkey see, monkey do. I'm watching three directions at all times, making sure I collect the big bonus points for smiles and winks. Thumbs up, all sort assorted manner of PGWDs, okay? Positive gestures while driving, okay? PGWDs are far-ranging and include, but are not limited to, single-hand frontal wave, two-hand frontal wave, princess wave, backhand wave, drop the hand wave, raise the hand wave, thumbs up, two thumbs up, I love you, peace sign, peace sign with a hang loose, uh, salute, raise, raise the smartphone, raise the coffee cup, raise the smoothie cup, raise the caramel whatever cup, as many... Uh, 
PGWDs, as you can imagine. Now, naturally, all of these signs are accompanied by a slew of facial expressions like smiles, fish lips, concerning, puff cheeks, tongues, stuck out, flared nostrils, eyes bugged out, eyes closed, winks, fluttering, eyelashes, raised eyebrows, um, raised left eyebrow, Commander Spock look, raised, her, uh, raised eyebrow, fascinating, etc., etc. And oh, we can't forget the combination moves like rubbing the eyes, scratching the head, scratching the ear, picking the nose, putting on lipstick, putting on makeup, brushing hair, shaving beard, eating cereal, the list goes on. Of course, there are some who don't wave or acknowledge me in any way. I sometimes alert security about these people because I can't think it's, I, because I think it's odd for people to be so consumed to not wave back when I'm standing there waving at them. These are the folks who I can see are deep in thought, troubled, disturbed, distracted, in mid-argument, trying to find out features on their dash or console or smartphone, and some are just too busy singing at the top of their lungs, all closed up in their car where nobody else matters. That actually sounds nice. <laughs> Naturally, I want to let you know I don't tell Pastor Chet who you are when you come late. And some of these details, I could let you continue on and go on and on about all the crazy things and crazy things, that, crazy people that I've seen in each car. But I want you to know something. No matter what you do, I love you all. <laughs> With everything you do to him. Now, some of you are going, did I wave at him? Is he out there? It, like... Did I say hi? Did I put my hand up to do the hang loose? All of you are going to be like this, walk going out the parking lot, right? I mean, I get it. I get it. The great grace of God is on him. What a great grace of God that no matter what he feels from you, he ends his letter with, I love you all. Gang, can I tell you something? God is using the different degrees of grace in each other to teach us where we're at on our graceometer so that we can become more and more like Jesus. Trust me, I know it can be a challenge sometimes to accept some people. It's even easy to forget that we were once there. But I got good news for you. The Bible says in James chapter 4, that if we humble ourselves, he'll give us more grace. And the humility is just simply saying, I'm not where I thought I was, Jesus. Can you teach me to be more grace-filled? Because if you've got mega grace and you are living mega grace in humility, recognizing how much more you need, it's going to be so much easier for you to give mega grace. I want you to write that down. We need to accept one another by giving mega grace. We've got to give it. This was Paul's plight. It's Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, listen, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, I don't know what's going to face me there. But I'm going there and I'm going to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I'm going to go to where there are enemies of God. I'm going to go to where there's ungodly because I've got a job to do in my life, and that is to give evil, ungodly people the great grace of God. It's why he opens every letter like this, grace to you. It's why he closes the Roman letter like this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He knew 
that it's grace that defeats the enemy in people's lives. He felt the kindness of God on the road of Damascus, and now he wants to give the kindness of God. Gang, the world is going to be evil. It's going to be ungodly. They expect punishment. They expect to be pulled over. That's why they're always looking in the rearview mirror when they fly through a light. It's just the way that they live. They're shocked when you're kind. I had a student. His name was Andrew. He was in Patmos for four months. He interned with me, and then he was on staff for over a year. He went home for a little birthday party, came back, High, drunk. I mean, he was so high. He was like in the sky high. He had used again. He fell. He went back to liquor. And he came back to the Bahamas. And when he landed back on the property, I knew he was high. And I said to him, hey, your small group's waiting. You need to get to him. And he looked at me. He goes, what do you mean my small group's waiting? He goes, I'm high. And I said to him, I pray you're so high that you're touching like with God and you will have something good to say to the people that you are about to go to. (laughs) My staff came to me and was like, you gotta fire this guy. God had convicted me. And I looked at at him and I said, no, you're you're gone. He stayed with me another year and today he's a senior pastor in Boca Raton, Florida because it was the kindness of God that changed his life. Not the judgment, not the wrath, not the moral police. He got it. The grace defeated the enemy. That's why Paul, he says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he reports what Jesus told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Gang, let me tell you what that verse means to me. When I fail, grace upon grace, thank you that you don't cast me from your presence. Thank you that when I try and I still sin, that your grace is powerful for me. But I wonder if that grace, when the world sins and they're in their weakness, can we be powerfully expressing the same grace we want and give it to them? This is the way God chooses to work in the world today. This is the way that he wants to work by his grace. Not just within this church, not just the internal issues one with another, but with the world. Listen to what Paul said. It's Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2. He says this, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. It was given to me. I experienced kindness. And now I'm going to give it to you, and you don't deserve it. (coughs) Paul shows up. It's an axe, and you don't need to turn there. He's in the Greek world, and the Greek world was filled with all kinds of idolatry and sexual immorality. It's filled with all kinds of conflict of character and corrupt character. And in front of these ungodly sinners, there in Greece, he says this, in him we live move and have our being. He preaches God to the enemy. He goes to the enemy. He goes to the most ungodly. Now this amazes me. In him, we live, move, and have our being. He's speaking to unbelievers and he's saying, I need to let you know something. 
The grace of God is on you and you don't even realize it. The mixed fight. Sometimes I watch the Golden Globes, the Grammys, the Emmys. They hate God. Like, the things that they say and do, it amazes me. They, they hate God. They hate the one who gives them the breath to breathe and gives them the talent of their being. They, 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 they hate him. And what amazes me about God, he allows them to have success. He even grants them privileges. Like, have you heard them sing? They hate God. But they can sing like no other. They can move. Have you seen some of their dance moves? I mean, it's unbelievable. They can act. I mean, the gifts and the skills and the talents. If I'm God, oh, I heard one of the Golden Globes. I'd like to thank me. If I was God, lightning bolt immediately. Let me communicate. You are wrong. Like, I want the world to know this is not about you. I gave you the breath. You're going to thank your producer. You're going to give credit to a human being. Don't you know my grace is upon you? Now, this may not settle with you, but I need to let you know all good gifts, all good and perfect gifts come from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The same grace he has for the church is the same grace he has for the world. He doesn't change in his grace. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It amazes me about God. And Stephen understood this that first martyr of the church. Because there, when Paul was, uh, was standing there, and they were stoning him, do you know what he said? Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He pleads with God, have grace on your enemy. Have grace on your enemy. He got it. He got the great grace of God. And gang, as we approach these modern issues that are biblical issues, we're going to approach them like the attitude of Stephen. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That's how we're going to approach this. Now, here's the truth. Lord, your master, there's truth. Do not hold this sin. We know right and wrong. How are we going to handle it? Do not count it against them. There's the grace. Lord, do not count this sin against them. And we're going to pray this prayer. We're going to pray to do what Paul exhorts the Roman church. Accept them as Christ accepted you. When you were an enemy, when you were ungodly, when you were a sinner. Accept them in like manner. Don't accept their sin. Accept them because it's the kindness of God, gang, that leads us to repentance. And if we start living it, and we recognize in our graceful meter that we may not be as gracious as what we think we are, but we are purposing to get in that gym and become like Christ. Maybe we'll see what the church saw and a great multitude will be added to our number. Now, I know there's some issues that you're looking at going, how does grace apply to this? I mean, do you know what they're doing? Do you know what they're involved with? I mean, how, how, this is impossible. I only see truth in this matter. Well, you sound like Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is the guy that went back to build the temple when the Jews went back after the exile in Babylon. And he looked at the temple, which was demolished, and he said, this is impossible. 
There are stones off the side of the mountain. There's no way that we're going to be able to rebuild this. And God speaks to Zerubbabel. Let's call him Z. God speaks to Z and says to him, hey, when you're finished building, because it's going to happen. And I know you think it's impossible, but all things are possible with me. So when you're finished, I want you to shout grace, grace to it. It's God who did it. And I know there are going to be some issues that we'll deal with that you will look at me and go, how in the world does grace apply to that truth? But when we see one sinner come down because we have chosen grace, we will all shout grace, grace to it. We never thought he would get saved. We never thought she would get saved. We never thought prayer would happen in school. We never thought that God's truth could be handled so appropriately. And we shout grace to it. Let that be our church's banner.